that I am upgrading my equipment and I'm buying a blue Yeti. I'm excited. I'm actually uh, debating and on the fence about buying a bunch of gaming computer. Oh, because you're trying to make it as a professional video game player? I got my office and I've been in this coronavirus, basically like, I don't know what time the day starts and what times it ends, you know, that kind of thing. So like, I'll play until like five in the morning, four in the morning. <laughs> Okay, we're going to put this on the poll, OC. Can you call it an office if you're just playing video games? No. 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 <laughs> that's not, Dave, that's not an office. That's a place where you're playing childish games. They're not childish. You have to be an adult to buy them. Um, <laughs> they are a little bit gory for kids, you, so I wouldn't say that. You get, do you get ID'd when you buy the game? <laughs> I think you do. No. <laughs> I don't know. I downloaded mine. I don't buy the actual CDs anymore or the discs. How many followers do you have on Twitch? I'm up to 11. That's my favorite number. That's also pathetic. I can hook you up. Oh, there you go. I got to get 50 followers before I can take Amazon Primes. <laughs> okay, I got you. So everyone listening, come hang out with me. Play a little games. Davey underscore J-O-O-N June. Spelled the <laughs> Korean way. Spelled the Korean way. Yeah. OC's about to hang up. <laughs> Just let me tell you something. That's not going to make the cast. That, that'll get edited right out. All right, let's get to this. Let's, All right, I'm ready. All right. OC, NZ, and friends, I am Sean O'Connell. That is Zachariah. We got Great Face Dave in his mobile Okay. Office. What's what cracked, OC? How was your uh, Memorial Day? Did you barbecue? Did you, uh, what'd you do? I, you know me, I don't cook, but one of my roommates hooked up some ribs, some pasta, what else do we have? Some potatoes. It was smacking. The ribs were amazing. So, yeah, he used <laughs> – I never won anything in my life, OC, but one time around July 4th, like five years ago, I went to Home Depot. They were handing out little raffle tickets when you walked in. And then, like, three days later, I got a phone call, and they're like, this is the Home Depot up in Santa Rosa or whatever. You want, a, you know, a free barbecue. So I won – the only time I've ever won anything, I won this barbecue grill, and I've had it. I just I, – I can't get rid of it because I just love it because I won it. Anyways, he dusted it off, hooked up some ribs. It was smacking. What'd you do? Don't get rid of that, man. Bar that's a great prize. I barbecue multiple times a week. I made some ribs yesterday, some, some beer brats, and some burgers. I completely overestimated how much food I was going to need, so <laughs> so many leftovers. If you guys just want to come out to Salt Lake City, I can feed you for a week. I had... I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. Why well, I thought I made two racks of ribs, like 15 burgers. <laughs> For two people? <laughs> well, no, we had four, but like still, it was just... This seems to be a theme with you, OC. Whether it's eating 15 s'mores or cooking too much, you really are. You've got, you have got a fat kid in your soul. Yeah, it's true. But I was really happy because we had some friends in the neighborhood who've been like... They're healthy, and they've been quarantining with us, basically. I made two recipes of ribs. One I just invented out of my head, and the other one I, I looked up these Coca-Cola ribs you can make on, on the Internet. And we taste-tested against, and mine won. So I was really proud of myself for inventing the winning rib recipe. What? Coca-Cola ribs, as in, like, Coke? Let me tell you something. Okay. If you have not experienced – I know you don't cook. But if you're out there and you have not experienced the joy of marinating your meats in Coca-Cola, you're missing out. It's, it's a, a great thing. It's an excellent base for a marinade. You know they use Coca-Cola to clean blood off of the pavements after car accidents, right? It's a highly toxic and horrible <laughs> chemical compound. 
And that's why it works well for a marinade. It tenderizes your chicken. It starts to denature the protein and break things down. So it's a good idea. It cleans drains as well. And look at this. Gabbo's in the building. What up, Gabe? Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, we know Gab. Gabbo didn't do anything for Memorial Day other than stay in, which is all he's done for the past three months. These are all facts. <laughs> it's, did, it's all right. Did you at least have, like, a Zoom party with anybody, Gabbo? Not a chance. Talk right. to my sister on the phone. That's about it. Okay. GFD? Like, are we talking, like, yesterday or, like, Monday, or are we talking, like, the whole weekend? All right. Never mind. See, just skip him. He, he can't answer a simple question. Of course, yesterday. We're asking about Memorial Day. Memorial Day is only one day. It's the last Monday in May. That's what we were talking about. Then I played a tournament in my head playing video games on Twitch. Uh, of course you did. Dave, you're frozen. I told you, man, you cannot do these unless you're in the house. You have solid Wi-Fi connection. You have your microphone. You're a disaster. But is it my fault? Because you're in a car instead of at your house. Steer the ship, I'll see, please. All right, let's try and keep it concise. Let's keep it tight. We have some real sports stuff I want to talk about today, but you got to open with a Rona rant. What do you have, Zachariah? My Rona rant is pumping noise in games on broadcast. So, obviously, NASCAR is back. Golf is kind of back. They haven't had an actual tournament, but they've had two things with celebrities to raise money for charity. There's Korean baseball, but all of these things have one thing in common, and that there's no fans. And with talk about basketball coming back, which we're going to get into, and baseball and football and college sports and all this, every plan that I've heard, it always comes with the contingency of, there's not going to be any fans. So something's popped up about whether or not you should put fake noise into the broadcast. And this goes along with, remember my Rona rant from a few weeks ago when I was saying that I was tired of the commercials constantly reminding you that we're going through a pandemic. It's like, look, everybody above three years old knows that we're going through a virus. I don't need to be reminded every five seconds. This is kind of how I feel about the pumping into the noise. Give me the noise. I want to be lied to. I want to pretend like nothing's going on. You know how Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy are all real, right? That's how I want my noise to be pumped in. Give me the fake noise. Act like everything's normal. That's what I want. I'm tired of being reminded that we're going through a colossal tragedy. I don't want to read the news about it. I don't want to hear about the economy. I don't want to be reminded that there's no fans in the stands. Pump in the fake noise. I'm all for it. That's my runner. I'm sure Bill will criticize me for going oppo, but I think that I'm going to spin it in a positive way. It seems to me that there's an opportunity for sports leagues to give us something that we haven't had before when there's no fans. How can they give us increased audio, new insight to what the players or coaches are actually communicating on the floor? I know all the times we get that censored version of, here's what the coach said in the huddle, and all he says is like, Bear down, give me some hustle, you know, whatever kind of nonsense, because it's censored to such a degree that they don't want us to hear his actual inside strategy. But I think it's an opportunity where we could have a little bit of different viewing experience that would be like behind the scenes. And I think that's such an appeal in this era where we listen to people's opinions more and we get direct players going directly to social media and telling us their opinions and things like that. It would be great to hear straight from the horse's mouth what they're saying on the court in the heat of battle and the coaching strategies. And I think it's something that we may not get because people don't want to, you know, have some trash talking that comes out that paints them in a bad light or whatnot. But I'd like to see the leagues explore the opportunity for that kind of option. Yeah. I'm actually with you on that one, Gamble. I talked to that uh, on my Pac-12 podcast. I do it with an NFL veteran, Jeff Schwartz, who you guys have seen on 
CBS and stuff, but he's like anti. He doesn't want silence in the stadium so that you can hear uh, coaches talking to players on the sideline. He doesn't want to hear trash talk back and forth with players. <laughs> Excuse me. God bless, bless you. you. He says that gives like an insight that players don't want you to have, but that's that's kind of the point. Like for fans, it's an unprecedented access. So I hope we get it. And we got it at the UFC events they did in front of no crowds. Like that sensory experience was different when there was not a crowd reaction to things. I liked it. So I think it'd be good for football especially, but I don't know. I don't know how much I'd love it in basketball, but it'd be interesting. When that audio slips out, it feels like it's really content. I mean, how, how good was it when we hear Sam Darnold talking about, I'm seeing ghosts out there? Like, he doesn't want that to come out. Maybe the team doesn't want it to come out. But that's great insight to say, like, wow, this guy's in over his head. Or what Bill's favorite thing is when Patrick Mahomes is on the sidelines when they're down 10 points and talking up his teammates and saying, like, we got him right where we want him type of thing. Yeah. That kind of stuff, if it wasn't in – NFL films that we're seeing, you know, a month after it happens. But if we're hearing that during the game while that's going doubt, that would be fun stuff to hear. Yeah. Oh, see, I have a question for you. Uh, Are they thinking about doing, like, VR camera setup where fans were used to be and having that people do VR kind of experience? Yeah, remember that commercial? There was a commercial with two actors, and they were doing VR, and it basically looked like they were right on the court watching the game. I remember this. It was like Justin Timberlake and Zach Galifianakis or something like that. I forget who the two actors were, but they were sitting next to each other, and they had the VR on, and they were sitting courtside, and they were actually watching the live game. I don't know where that went or if that still exists or whatever, but... Yeah, I don't know anything about any of that, but if we're going to get a return to sports with no fans in the stadium... I really think it's important, and I've said this on several different occasions privately on my regular show on this podcast, it's an opportunity for a new elements in a broadcast. And maybe it's only for the 2020 season or whatever. Maybe we, it doesn't stay, maybe it doesn't ever come back, but it's an opportunity to have new elements in a broadcast that we have not yet had. And we saw like the XFL exploring some of this stuff with reporters right on the field with mics talking to players. If there's not fans in the stadium, you could a lot more easily execute that kind of stuff. So I think it'll be a fun opportunity, even if we don't get fans in the stadium. Never mind all the finance and economics of how much people are going to lose, especially on the college sports front without ticket sales. But we'll see how it all plays out. And, yeah, the pumping crowd noise in, I'm pretty anti-pumping crowd noise in. It's like a sitcom with a laugh track. You know it's fake, and it doesn't sound good. I guess. I mean, it's it's going to sound just like it was if it was actually live. What's the? They're going to use. They're not going to create. They're going to use actual fan noise that's already been done. It's going to be a, a laugh track, basically. It's going to be a guy sitting there with a button saying, "Yay, boo, ooh." It's just not going to sound good. It's going to sound just like it would be if it was actually live, because they're going to use actual audio from actual games. Not, they're not going to make it up. It's not going to be like a laugh track on a sitcom. It's going to be actual noise from actual games. Okay, we'll see if it's an authentic experience if they decide to do it, and it's not going to be. I wonder if they'll allow the if they do use artificial noise, if they'll allow the home teams to try to use it to their advantage. I know in the past there's been visiting teams will complain. They'll say, "Oh, this home team is pumping in fake crowd noise to you know distract our players in the clutch or whatever." Will they allow them like a you know, fourth and short, and the TV is trying to, like, change, do the snap count or whatever. Will they allow them to pump the crowd noise as loud as they want so the offensive line can hear the calls? It'll be really interesting to see 
what parameters they put on that if they do the fake noise. Yeah, the Seahawks have been pumping in crowd noise for years, so I guess it wouldn't be that different. Peyton and Tom Brady were talking about that on – did you guys watch any of those Peyton's places? Yeah. Well, anyways, he did one with uh, Tom Brady at Jim Nance's house where he recreated one of the holes from Pebble Beach or from Augusta, and they were having a discussion about pumping in noise. Like Peyton was saying that the Patriots did it, and Brady was saying that the Colts did it back at the old Colts stadium. So, yeah, it's definitely a thing. But, yeah, I wonder how they're going to do all that. I think you could do both. You could have fake noise, and you could get, like, the action of hearing the guys mic'd up and hearing what's actually going on on the field. Did you see what, as long as we're talking about fake noise and fake fans, did you see what, I think it was Bundesliga, one of the clubs, what they offered for their fans because they're getting back to soccer with fans in the stadium? Did you guys see that the uh, the cardboard cutout thing? No, but I heard about the sex no. balls. <laughs> you could put... <laughs> Of course you heard about the sex dolls, you freak. No. You're talking about the sex dolls, the group, or are you talking about actual oh, sex dolls? Oh, God. Dave, first of all, your connection sucks. Can you get to a better place? I hope you're not moving because it sounds like wind going on behind you. But, no, we're talking about the Korean Baseball League. They had sex dolls in the stands, and they had to apologize, and they got fined. All right, pull it back together. Borussia Dortmund, I think it was. I can't remember which club. But you could, as a fan like as a ticket holder, season ticket holder, you could pay 20 bucks and they would make a cardboard cutout of you sitting in the seat. That's tight. I would do that. That's a great promotion. I like that. I'd do that 100%. Just like, <laughs> so you get your corny face just <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> and then I'd take a picture of it and I would post something and I'd be like, y'all can't go to the games, but I can. That's perfect, right? <laughs> they should have tier pricing depending on which seat you're in. Because, like, think about, like, in an NBA game, you'd pay a premium if you were, like, right behind the hoop. So every time the guy was shooting free throws, you would be right on screen. Yeah. <laughs> Fools are going to be on StubHub. Like, hey, man, I got my thing, but, man, I got there late, so I'm in the nosebleeds, dog. It'll be incredible. <laughs> Just cardboard cutout placement is going to be new cloud. That's your new Fools are going to be scalping cardboard cutouts. Like, hey, I bought this early. I got got two down below. You and your girl, you can get your cardboard cutout in there. Think of it. It's an opportunity for people that otherwise would never be able to be courtside at a game. You can at least get a picture of your courtside (laughs) at a game. For sure. It'll be like, like imagine you're – I'm going to do it for, like, the Brooklyn Nets. It's going to be, like, picture cardboard cutout of you. And then Jay Z, and then me right next to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're you gonna buy one for Jay Z? Yeah, that'd be tight. I want to buy one for Jessica Alba and sit courtside. <laughs> Just me and her. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. People are gonna get hacked. Yeah. Get out there. They're gonna pay the money and then send somebody else's picture to troll them or whatever. Get oh, them out of trouble. Girls are going to get jealous. They're going to be like, I saw you at the game with 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 Maria. What's up with that? Like, baby, it's a cardboard cutout. I didn't do that. Why did you put your cardboard cutout next to her? <laughs> Why why did you have your cardboard arm over her cardboard shoulder? Yeah, it'd be amazing. <laughs> this is going to be the whole new thing in professional sports. You can't go to the game, but your avatar can, your cardboard avatar could be sitting right there. I love it. That is, and this will end my Rona rant, but there is some of the positive stuff to come out of this, even though it's all pretty much horrible, is that just like people staying home and learning that you don't have to actually go into the office all the time, and a lot of that stuff's going to change in the workplace, it's like what Gabe is saying. There is an opportunity here with things being different to improve 
the viewing experience. You know, I mean, we're joking about the cardboard cutout stuff, but yeah, in terms of the broadcast, all sorts of stuff. Like everything's going to be brand new, and so you're going to be able to figure out what works and what doesn't. Obviously, that golf thing totally worked, and I think they're probably going to have the match three now. Because the numbers were ridiculous. Yeah, we'll get to the match a little bit. I do want to sneak in a little Rona rant here because we've been very negative on our Rona rants, but today it feels a little bit more positive. I live in Salt Lake City, as I mentioned on every single show. And right now the airport here is undergoing like a massive rebuild. They're building a brand new airport. It's like a $3 billion project. It's huge. It's been taking like six years. And the Rona is speeding up the finishing of this thing potentially by two years and is going to save a couple hundred million dollars. Because airports obviously are not populated right now. There's like nobody at airport terminals, which means Salt Lake that has five terminals right now, they're able to compact everything down to basically two. And that means they can tear down the old airport faster and replace it with the new stuff faster instead of like doing it in phases. So it's going to speed up the process and save everybody, you know, the taxpayer contribution to this. Oh, excuse me, $300 million cheaper. That's amazing. And I hadn't thought about that because basically since there's not a lot of people there, you can just isolate the terminals and then work on them. And then when those are done, you move them over there and then you work on the other ones. Construction projects on roads and on airports can go a little bit faster because there's less traffic apparently. Construction projects on my house uh, go a lot slower. So that's a nightmare. (laughs) Do you have cable? No, 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 no cable to the new crib. All right, uh, let's move on. So a lot of times we're just digging up stuff to talk about when it comes to the actual sports here. We're getting very close to a return to some form of normalcy in all the professional sports leagues. Baseball is on the verge of an agreement that will get us back baseball. The NBA has a workable plan. We're going to see the end of this 2019-2020 NBA basketball season, even if it's just the playoffs, and it sounds like we're going to see it in like kind of a a bubble-sealed Disney World kind of a situation where they're going to isolate the league at the Disney Resort and Sports Complex, and they're going to play it out there. What do you think of this? I read the article, OC, from Sir Charles Chuck Barkley saying that they're 100% going to do it. It's either going to be in Orlando or in Vegas, and now I'm hearing all this crazy stuff about how they might go 1 through 16 or maybe even 1 through 20, and some guys are saying they're not going to play. Like, why would Steph Curry or Klay Thompson come back and play? But Kevin Durant might if they end up being the 16 seed or something and they play the Lakers. Uh, Dame Lillard's not going to play. I'm hearing all this crazy stuff. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, my initial reaction, OC, is that any sports is a good thing. I want sports. Everybody wants sports. Hell, I've been watching NASCAR, Korean baseball, and golf that doesn't even count because of how starving I am for because I can't watch old games I can't watch like the Red Sox and the Yankees come back from 3-0 or whatever I just can't do old games that frequently and so I just want something where I don't know the outcome I, I you know I won 500 bucks on that golf match yesterday I entered some pool that my boy Maddie Lou sent me and I tied for first with six other people, and I won 500 bucks. Anyways, it was exhilarating because I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, and I gambled on it, and it was fun. So my initial reaction is great, OC. But then my second thing is, how weird is this going to be? 
Should we all just chalk up everything for a year and then just pretend like 2020 didn't happen? How safe is it going to be? Like Charles was talking about, if there's maids in the hotel room or they get room service or whatever, these people are going to be going home to their families and then coming back to the hotel. So are they really quarantined? Obviously, they can't do social distancing when you're posting somebody up or you're diving for a loose ball. So my initial reaction is great. Any sports is good sports. And then my second thing is, how safe is it going to be? And how insane is it going to be if... They don't do conferences. They just seed one through 16. Maybe they have like a first round that's only three games. And then this, or I, I heard even the first round could be one game. The second round could be three games. The third round could be five games. And then the finals would be seven games. I've heard all this crazy stuff. I don't know what to make of it. So that's my answer. When you ask me, what do you make of this? My first reaction is any sports is great. My second reaction is how crazy is this going to be? And how safe is this going to be? Well, the cool thing is that. Like we talked about before, the opportunities that have presented themselves because of this unfortunate situation are there for these professional sports leagues, too. The NBA has been talking for several years about perhaps reformatting their playoffs to be 1 through 16. Find me a better year to try that experiment than this. Because, <laughs> like you said, there's going to be an asterisk on 2020 no matter what, so why not try the harebrained scheme right now? The game with no fans... Why not try the new playoff format right now? Throw a couple new rules in there. The NFL's thinking about that, right? The NFL proposal is that they're going to put in the new onside kick rule where you go from 4th and 15 on your own 25, which is something they stole directly from the XFL instead of doing an onside kick. Like, this is the year to do that crazy stuff because the sports world is turned upside down on its head. And so I like the NBA. I think the 1 through 16 thing is probably a great idea. This year, don't make it a permanent policy change, but do it right now and explore whether it's going to be a good idea moving forward. Your question about whether or not it's going to be safe, the thing that all of us in the sports world that want these things to come back so desperately that we have to accept is that the answer to that question is unequivocally no. <laughs> That's not reassuring. <laughs> well, I'm not here to reassure you, but like, okay. if what we're talking about is some sort of hopeful scenario in which you are effectively quarantining hundreds of people to put on the remainder of an NBA season, that means you're taking into account all of those maids you talked about, the people driving the shuttle buses to get players to and from, the trainers, the coaches, the players themselves, their families, because not everyone's going to leave wife and kids at home, especially if you're doing it at Disney World in Orlando. Guess who's coming with? All the kids, everybody, right? So, and you can extend this to golf, football with fans or without fans. You can extend this wherever you want. The answer, is this going to be safe from the coronavirus perspective, is no. And bringing sports back is, unfortunately for us, is no different than just reopening the economy and letting people go about things as normal. Because sports, by their definition, except for golf, and to some degree like tennis, there's contact, forced contact with other people. There's an exchange of body fluids in like 80% of sports. So is it going to be safe? Hell no, it's not going to be safe. The hope is, what we're going to rely on here, is that NBA players are in an age demographic that's not at risk, and they're in a health demographic that's not at risk, meaning they're in great shape, they have powerful immune systems, they can recover even if they do get sick. But it's not going to be 
safe. You're not going to listen to the, the Surgeon General. You're not going to get a bunch of doctors that are going to go out there and be like, yeah, we have nothing to worry about here because this is not going to be safe at all. So what happens if somebody tests positive for it? Well, I mean, in the article that I was talking about, quoting Charles Barkley, he was like, well, if one player on a team tests positive for it, then that team's just going to have to forfeit their series. They're just eliminated from the playoffs. But then that guy, whoever got it, played a team. Like, remember when Rudy Gobert got it, they immediately went and looked at who they had played previous, and then they had to test all those guys. So if one guy gets it on one team and they're eliminated, then he probably gave it to somebody on the other team that he played. So, I mean, what are they going to do then? So then both teams are eliminated? I mean, I just don't know what they're going to do if and when there's a positive test because then you're really screwed and then you did all this work, you did all this stuff, you're trying to recoup some of the money, that the, all the revenue that they're losing, and then it's all just shut down anyway. Let me tell you something. How this is going to have to be treated is like injuries, all right? That's how you're going to have to treat positive tests. That's the only way that this is workable in sports. If you're bringing back the NFL, you're bringing back the NBA, you're bringing back the MLB, a positive test is treated like an injury where you're gone. You're out of the lineup, you're out for quarantine, and you've got to keep people away and you've got to isolate to make sure it doesn't spread. But you can't, and Adam Silver talked about this, where he said, look, if we're going to reopen we have to do it with the expectation that we're not going to shut down again just because Rudy Gobert tests positive or something, right? They shut down the whole NBA and, by extension, the entire American economy because of Rudy Gobert's positive test. That was the catalytic event that shut everything down, right? There's no reason to reopen any of these sports if you're going to let a single positive test or five positive tests or even a dozen positive tests shut things down again. Don't reopen in the first place because you're going to get them. So the only way that this is workable is if you treat it like it's an injury. The difference, OC, is that you can't spread a torn ACL to another person. You can spread the Rona. Okay, but in theory, you're absolutely right. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz both tested positive for coronavirus. Nobody else in the entire organization did. That's right? true. That's like the coaches, the trainers who were rubbing their backs and taping their ankles and all that stuff the nutritionists that were feeding them, the referees that were around them, like all that stuff. The Nobody- reporters whose microphones he rubbed off. By the way, that's going to go down as one of the dumbest things anybody's ever done in the history of mankind. Look, it was a poorly timed joke. He wasn't being malicious about it. No, but- I know, I know. It just looks so dumb. But in the like, in reality, just the – and I think the right reaction when this first happened was like, oh, my gosh, Rudy has it. Let's assume that everyone he – came in contact with is going to get it now too. Like we treated it like Ebola virus or something, right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is that the numbers don't reflect that level of contagion. They don't reflect that level of mortality or morbidity or whatever you want to call it. If Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz's two most important players, got it, recovered from it, are fine now and are willing to play, well, go back and play. And then if you're Damian Lillard and you're like, we're not going to be able to make these damn – altered playoffs anyway i'm not gonna play all right well then don't play yeah but it's just it has to be treated like an injury you got to do that in the nfl you got to do that in college football you got to do it in baseball you got to do it in the nba the ufc already did this where a guy showed up to their first event his wife had had it he still showed up like an idiot he and his coach both tested positive for it and the ufc just said all right you're going home And they sent him home, which is exactly what they would have done if it was a torn ACL. Now, you're right. The risk is that 
it wasn't a torn ACL and he could have been spreading it. Thankfully, he didn't. But if you're going to come back with these sports leagues, even if LeBron James comes down with coronavirus and he's like Donovan Mitchell, he's asymptomatic, you just say, you got to go home, dude. And that changes the entire landscape of the NBA playoffs, but it's the right thing to do because you got to send them home. You got to make sure they doesn't infect anybody else. But you also can't operate under the assumption that everyone he came in contact with also got infected. It's really interesting, the whole concept of them saying, oh, you know, we have isolation, we have this mitigated bubble, etc. But then, as you were mentioning earlier, the very act of playing sports and bringing people together like this is doing things that are going to increase the spread. It's almost like a guy goes to breakfast and he has a huge plate of, like, sausages and bacon and all that kind of stuff, and then he orders a Diet Coke. He's a little bit of responsibility mixed in with all this stuff that is intentionally increasing risk. It's curious to me when you think about this whole bubble concept. It's not going to be hundreds of people. It's going to be thousands of people mixing because you have the whole traveling parties for all 30 teams. You have family members. And then, again, as you're mentioning, all the support staff, not from the teams but from the facilities that are going to be cleaning, cooking, doing all these other kind of things and potentially are not necessarily living on premises. So it's a big mix in that regard. I don't know who's going to be enforcing you know, who goes where. I don't think you're going to actually be stopping NBA players from leaving the premises. So I even doubt that they're going to be abiding by those type of rules. But again, it's more of a question similar to what we're seeing in society is like, has something changed or just has enough time gone by that people are feeling antsy and or worried about the money? And so, you know, we hear all the time about the reason why they have more regular season games is because you have the local TV deals that they need to hit a certain benchmark in order to pay off and all these type of things. So they're kind of inviting risk and then at the same time saying they're going to mitigate it. I'm also curious how it fits in with the context of this facility in general, like Florida as a state has announced that they're allowing theme parks to reopen. So is Disney World not going to be reopening in general to the general public in addition, which then again expands your universe even larger? I think that's another question. So some of these mitigation things, I think it's going to be difficult to keep the cat from getting out of the bag. So I expect, as you're saying earlier, I agree, it's going to be not safe. And I think you're basically just saying we're taking the trade off. We're going to roll the dice and be not safe because we want this payoff of having this activity. And everybody's going to have a different opinion of whether they believe that's a good idea or not. But I roll my eyes a little bit when they're saying, like, you know, we're going to be safe and we're going to test and we're going to clean. There's a lot of logistics that you're, you're going counter to best practices somewhat intentionally. Yeah, look, it's just the reality of the situation. And, and I've been, you know, covering this from the college sports perspective on the Pac-12 channel for all of these weeks it looks like everyone's going to come back to campus and everyone's going to be playing sports in the fall because if they don't, college athletics disappears as we know it, right? So everyone's going to at least try to play football. And the idea, like Gabe is talking about, is that there's going to be these mitigating practices in place, like no fans in the stadium, and you know, you're know you going to isolate the teams and keep them at the like a certain hotel or in a certain dorm during camp and all that stuff. But are we really operating under the assumption that every NBA player and every college football player is going to go to a city, in the NBA's case, Orlando, Florida, and they're not going to be firing up their Tinders and their Bumbles and their whatever else, and they're not going to be hooking up, and they're not going to be hanging out, and they're not going to be drinking together and all that stuff. If we're really going to pretend like that's the expectation, that pure delusion. It just is not going to be the case, especially in Florida, by the way, where people are on the beach, hanging out in swimming pools together every damn day. 
They never fully shut down in Florida. So it's, people are going to be willing to come to Disney World to go hang out with Jordan Clarkson or whatever. Like, it's going to happen. So I've gotten to the point now where you get to have a reaction, right? Everyone's entitled to their own opinion on, like, whether these leagues should come back. But the reality of the situation is if we're bringing back the NFL, if we're bringing back the NBA, if we're bringing back college sports, if we're bringing back Major League Baseball, we are reopening, we are exposing hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people to a virus that now we know a little bit more about and maybe are not quite as scared of when we first shut down the NBA. But we are exposing people again. That's what this is. The mitigating practices, they rely on everybody being careful. And quite frankly, not even half the people I see on a day-to-day basis are careful. Two things. One, you just made me think about how when they talk about the Olympics, they call it like, you know, the sex jungle or whatever, where there's all these professional athletes that are at the height of the, and there's just like condoms everywhere because everybody's just having sex. And so it just makes me think, if you're a groupie and there's hundreds of thousands of groupies out there, now you don't have to just go to like Houston to watch the Rockets play the Lakers or whatever. You have every team in one city. So if you're a groupie, you can latch on to any player that you want because they're all there. So they're going to flood down there to try to get their million-dollar baby or whatever you want to call it. Groupies are going to have their own starting lineups down there. (laughs) They're all in one city. It's going to (laughs) multiply by a 100. And then the other thing is, and forgive my ignorance because as I told you, I – try to avoid the news as much as i possibly can the fatality rate is way higher for people that are like whatever 60 and older right and there's been a lot of people who are young i don't know how old patrick ewing is but he had it and he recently got released from the hospital and he's fine and there's been other obviously donovan mitchell and rudy gobert the guinea pigs for all this they had it and now they're fine so i'm just wondering even if they go down there and there's a whole bunch you know as you said oc dozens of people that end up getting it It doesn't seem like it's going to be a fatal thing, or am I being ignorant, and are there a bunch of people that are young and healthy that are dying from it? The answer to that question, with obviously some exception and some cases, some anecdotal stories, the answer to your question, though, is no. Young, healthy people are not dying from it, even if they do get it. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is probably the best example of what we're talking about here. Rudy Gobert, the reason they tested him is because he was sick. He had flu-like symptoms, right? Donovan Mitchell got tested because Rudy Gobert was sick, and he never got sick. He was hanging out at his house for two weeks and never felt bad. And that's part of the problem with this virus, right? He's like, at the end of the day, everybody everybody in the NBA could have it because they're going to go down and play at the resort. They're going to be bumping into each other and what? And by the end of this, every single one of those people could get it. (laughs) But does that mean that any of them die? Well, yeah. The yeah. data we have right now, the data that a lot of these decision makers are relying on is like, well, no, because it doesn't really hurt healthy 16 to 24-year-olds. It doesn't really hurt 24 to 35-year-olds if you don't have pre-existing health conditions. But the problem is, what do you do? And, and I'll use the most extreme example here, but like, let's say LeBron James, who is like, he's what, 36 years old now, 35 years old? Let's say LeBron James... The face of the NBA, the biggest story in the last decade and a half in all professional sports, a freaking demigod of a human being walking on earth. What if LeBron James, family man, father, philanthropist, gets sick and is lying in a hospital drowning 
in the soup of his own lungs on a ventilator and dies from that. Then what does the NBA do? Then what does the NBA say? Then what do we as sports fans say? Like, that, it was totally worth it. This was a risk we were all willing to take. I mean, you have to be prepared for every scenario. The more likely scenario is LeBron James, the coronavirus goes straight into his nose and he just sneezes it out because he's freaking Zeus. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be prepared for the idea that this could, contrary to the data, contrary to the trends, this could actually kill even a young, healthy NBA player. And in that case, it makes a hell of a lot of sense why Damian Lillard is just like, no, man, I'm cool. I'm not going to point. Well, I think it's important that we consider also, like, there's anecdotal data and then statistical data and then what could happen. Yes, anecdotally, we see Donovan Mitchell and he has no symptoms and he's fine. Also, correctly, it's much more likely to hurt you if you're older or have more severe effects if you have pre-existing conditions. All those things are true. Also true, many people, not as many as the old people at all, but many people who are in their 20s and 30s have died from this. It's not something where you say nobody in their 20s ever dies, nobody in their 30s ever. It still happens. It happens way less frequently, but it still happens. So it's something I think to be considered about in terms of thinking you're not safe. Your risk is lower, but you're not safe or excluded from the danger. And I think OC's point is a good one in terms of we react if something happens to a, a major face or a major celebrity in a different way. It doesn't really change our risk at all. If LeBron did die tomorrow from coronavirus, it wouldn't make the risk of the general population any higher or lower than it actually is. But people's perception or their fear would change because it's somebody that they see in a certain light. and it has, according, um, according to, let me make sure that I have an updated, uh, no, that one's a couple weeks old, but... It looks like about 4% of total COVID cases are in people that fall into the NBA player and NFL player age demographic. Now, that is discounting team doctors, coaches, chaplains, all the other stuff surrounding, right? But let's just say, how is this going to affect NBA players? 4% of the total cases, according to the CDC, are in that 18 to 44 age, which is 4% of the deaths. So let's say that, you know, there's 100,000 deaths that, there's still 4,000 people in that age group that have died, but only according to this same data, if, if we're saying these trends hold true, that 7% of that 4% were people who had no underlying health conditions. So what you're talking about is if we assume that these NBA players don't have underlying health conditions that we don't know about, there's a small percent of a small percent of a chance that they're going to die from this virus. But that chance, that, that percent is not zero. So, and, and the other thing I think that we don't know is, again, and doctors will say this, given that this is a new disease, we don't necessarily understand the long-term consequences. Like, there have been some studies where they show that somebody gets coronavirus, becomes sick, and recovers from it, so they didn't die, they're, they're better, they're no longer testing positive, but they're not necessarily good as new. There have been scans of people's lungs that say, yeah, your lung capacity for the rest of your life will be reduced by 20%. That doesn't kill you, but I sure as heck don't want my lung capacity right. for the rest of my life. There's damages and things that we could know that, not that we could know, that we don't know. They're unknowable because we don't have enough data. We don't have enough study yet to know what the risks are. So, But point taken, the risk for NBA players lower than the general population. They're younger, which makes them lower. They're in great physical shape, which makes them lower. They're the best equipped to fight it off, but there is a lot of gray area. Yeah. I want to say on Lillard before I forget. Because when I first said he wasn't going to play, 
I was all getting ready to give him credit because I thought what he was saying was, I don't feel safe. The risk from the coronavirus is too high. It's not worth it to play sports, and I'm out. That's what I thought his quote was before I read the actual quote. If you read the actual quote, he so much wants to have his cake and eat it too in the weirdest way possible. He, he doesn't say, I'm not going to Disney World because it's not safe. He says, I'll be right there with my team. He said, I'll be with my guys. I'll go down there. I'll be there. Silly. I'll be exposed to whatever's floating around in this bubble. I might get the runner. But I'm not going to play because if we don't have a chance to make the playoffs, I'm not going to play. Now, as I'm hearing that, let's separate two things. He's not saving himself at all from health perspective. He's just pissing around because he can't make the playoffs. In my mind, I said, how is this different from any other season in the NBA when there's no corona, when a team has just been eliminated from the playoffs? Like, are you saying in another season, if your team has been eliminated from the playoffs, set it down the day that you're eliminated? This is basically the analogy. He's not saving himself from the corona. He's saying, I'll still be there with my team, but I won't play. It's essentially like me saying, hey, work. I'll show up to work. I'll be at the office. I'm not doing any work, but make sure you pay me because I'll be there with my guys. Basically what he's saying. I mean, I kind of feel I, look, if I'm Steph or Clay or I'm anybody that doesn't have a chance of doing anything, why play? Like I was saying that because Steph played and then he, you know, he broke his hand, but he played in the beginning and I was kind of like, this, you lost KD. Clay Thompson's out for the year. Your team's not going to be whole. Like, just everybody should just shut it down. I'm very pro that. Like, basically, I watch my Phoenix Suns every game until I know that they're toast and they're not going to make the playoffs. And from there on out, I'm rooting against them. Like, sit Devin Booker. Take the year off. Why not? Rest up. Save a year. What's the point of going out there if you don't have a chance? And especially in this. But I'm with you, Gabe. This is different. It would be one thing if he said, we don't have a chance. I'm not going to Orlando. I'm not putting myself at risk. He said, I'm going to go through all of the risk, all of the quarantine. I'm just going to sit on the bench and not play. Like, he might as well play if he's going to go down there. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's like showing up to work and being like, I will be at my desk. Okay. But here's what I will not do. I will not work. I will have coworkers around me. They, they will be working. I will be there for my guys, but I am not putting my fingers on that keyboard. I am not answering that phone. I am not doing PowerPoint. I'm doing nothing, but I'll be there. Yeah, look, he, like Gabe said, it's no different than if your star player was just like, we're not making the playoffs. I'm shutting it down because I don't want to get a freak injury. You're protecting yourself from basketball injury. You're not protecting yourself from what everyone's actually concerned about right now, which is this virus. But (laughs) it tells you two things. It tells you that Damian Lillard's not concerned about the coronavirus. And there are, by the way, millions of people in the United States of America who are not concerned about this thing at all. Oh, don't get me started. I I got a, a, you know, you have multiple text threads with different groups of friends. I've got a group in Michigan, my my dad's best friend. And these guys, (laughs) the text messages that I get from these guys would literally make Gabe's head explode. Like Gabe is on Gabe is on one side of the spectrum. These people, you, they couldn't even hear each other. How far away they are on different sides of the spectrum. These guys are out here like cursing out their governor because Michigan like shut it back down for another couple of weeks. All they talk about is how they want to go to give hugs and go fishing and like everything that would just spread the virus. They want everything open. They think the whole thing is a sham. It's hilarious. Anyways, yes, to your point, OC, there are a lot of people that do not think it's a big deal. Yeah, look, this is where I I will be beating this drum for the next several weeks that like if we're going to reopen sports, we have to reopen everything. If we're going to reopen sports, get the planes flying again, open the hotels, fill up the restaurants, don't worry about 
uh, we got to keep half the people in the stadium. Because I promise you, if you allow 50% capacity at an NFL stadium, pretending that you're trying to encourage social distancing, even if you allow 25% capacity, you're still spreading this virus. There's not like, it's an inevitability. It's not like, oh, well, it'll maybe be a little bit less. Probably will be maybe a little bit less. But you're still spreading it. So we need to decide as a country, as businesses, as individuals, whatever. I started on Gabe's end of the spectrum. Now I'm probably right in the middle. I'm not the denier. I'm not a truther who's just like, this isn't a thing you have to worry about. But like, you're going to be spreading this around. And if you're reopening things, you're just relying on the fact that people are going to make it through. You're relying on the fact that it's not as bad from a mortality rate as we thought it might be. And look, we could be 100% wrong on that. But the message being sent, if you reopen sports, which are non-essential businesses, if you reopen sports, you might as well just open everything up. Oh, I beg to, I beg to differ. Sports is very essential. I got, yeah. I got sports above grocery stores. Okay, I'm yeah. losing my mind with no sports. What's funny is that, like, I literally just figured out what Netflix was. I had never been on Netflix because all of my life I'm just watching sports all the time. You take all of those hours out, and believe me, that is essential. OC, I've got it above barber shops. I've got it above grocery stores. Maybe not grocery stores. I got grocery. No, hospitals one. Grocery stores two, sports three, then everything else. Yeah. I've been thinking about this for weeks now, and I'm I'm coming around to the idea that, look, if we're reopening the NBA, don't even bother going to Disney World. The social distancing, all you're doing is creating a fat Petri dish in the middle of America's happiest place. <laughs> like, just let it be what it is. <laughs> What's funny is, as you were saying that, I was trying to think of the term, and Petri dish was exactly what I was thinking of. Not only, by the way, you send the NBA to Florida to continue and play out their playoffs, not only do coronavirus cases spike, positive tests spike, probably not mortality, right? Because these guys are going to get sick, but they're not going to die from it. That's going to spike, but also you're going to get a spike in, like, chlamydia. <laughs> you're going to get a spike in just, like, every little herp going around. Are strip clubs open in Florida? Didn't Florida open, like, everything up? It's By the way, that's the craziest thing about all this. You were talking about the Pac-12, you know, a few days back, and it's just crazy how, you know, you see the different conferences held meetings, and the SEC was like, yeah, push everything forward, and the Pac-12 is more like, yeah, I don't know. And then it's the same thing with states. Like Trump came out and said, yeah, I'm going to let all the governors decide on their own whether or not they're going to open it up. So you have like some states like Georgia and Florida that are just like, yeah, green light, all things to go. And then you have other places where it's like, no, you know, a lot of stuff is still closed down. People are talking about we're in the yellow light phase or the green light phase or the red light phase. Like nobody's on the same page. And I don't really understand that because it's not like it's affecting different states differently. But it is, though. That's the problem. It's it's very, very difficult to figure out. I mean, it hasn't been around long enough for us to really know. Like, Florida and Georgia, they're not doing well when it comes to their statistics. <laughs> there's a lot of cases. There's a lot of deaths. There's a lot of whatever. And so you look at Florida and Georgia, and you're like, well, that makes sense because they're not restricting anything. Arkansas has less than 100 deaths. Arkansas, they, Arkansas doesn't even know what's happening in the world. They're completely unplugged. They don't even have the Internet. Arkansas, it's just like, Arkansas is not affecting Arkansas this way. And Arkansas, not because Arkansas is like, hey, social distancing. It's because Arkansas is just like, we're immune to this. 
Well, and they don't have a lot of tourism. Like, there's not a lot of people coming in and out of Arkansas as much as there are people coming in and out of other social hubs. So it, it's not so much that they don't have it. They don't have it yet. If you're not doing anything to prevent it, it's going to reach you, but you're not going to get it as much as places that have more travel because you're, you have more points of infection. I mean, Scandinavia, we have to, you can't ignore what's happening in Scandinavia. Sweden never shut down. Sweden is relying on something called herd immunity. I was on a Skype call, on a Zoom call last week with one of our fighters in the PFL who lives in Sweden, and his life has been changed zero from coronavirus. None. Wow. Out, goes to restaurants, goes to theaters, does whatever he wants. Sweden who we always look at as, like, some weird post-racial utopia, which it isn't. But, like, Sweden is just like, eh, hopefully the people here are healthy enough to get through this. But the, the, the Sweden model is said a lot, but it's, it's difficult to compare. It's not exactly apples to apples. I mean, Sweden's per capita death rate is higher than the United States. So, yes, they've had less overall cases and less overall deaths because they have less people, period. And they're not as densely populated, so they have that benefit. But they also have a higher per capita death rate, so and way higher than Denmark, more of an apples to apples because the same part of the world, similar homogenous population. So it's a gamble, and it can pay off in some ways. But I don't think it's necessarily a shining example. Yeah, I don't know if it's a shining example either, but it's like something you can't ignore, right? You, if you're going to talk about Florida, which we obviously have to, and you're going to talk about California, which is very restrictive because we obviously have to. You also have to say, well, what's going on in Minnesota, Montana, Arkansas, Alaska? And you're absolutely right, Gabe. You have to factor in, like, is this a destination that other people from all over the world are coming to? All right, well, what about Italy? They got hit super hard. How are they doing right now? What about places like Sweden and Denmark? I mean, the fact of the matter is, for me, and I am no epidemiologist, I'm no doctor, but we don't know enough about what's going to happen once we reopen and we let people do their thing until we actually reopen and let people do their thing. And in America, that's an inevitability because nobody in our country, well, I shouldn't say nobody, that's an absolute, very few people in our country are going to obey this social contract of social distancing for even another month. Very few people are going to hole up in their houses and not go to their offices and wear masks and gloves at the grocery store for even another month. If that's a flaw in our society, if that's a bad thing about our country, fine. I'll listen to all of that. But America is going to reopen, and we're going to have to deal with the consequences when it happens, but we won't know what it looks like until it happens. I might regret this, but let's go to Great Face Dave, because he's had a shit-eating grin on his face for like the past five minutes. Again, I, I may regret this, but Dave, do you want to chime in with something? Because it looked like you wanted to chime in with something. I'm, like, agreeing with everything that's going on. Do you think that, that yeah, shit's going to hit the fan or not if they reopen? But they do need to reopen. And, OC, I'm going to disagree with you that I believe that sports isn't essential. I'm going to agree with Zach. And, uh, yeah, you I think it's – You don't actually uh, believe that. Like, I get what you guys are saying, and we need sports back. We want sports back. It's great. But, like, we know in reality that sports are not an essential business. The only essential business is – in America right now are utilities, healthcare, and food, groceries. That's it. But isn't our mental stability part of that? No, stop. This is such a bullshit Western thought of just like, my mental health is the most – knock it off. Tough it out, okay? 
<laughs> our grandparents formed the beaches at Normandy, and everyone's sitting here just being like, oh, but I get sad when I can't watch Golden Girls. Who fucking cares? Well, they got Golden Girls. You can watch Golden Girls, but I want to see real sports. Okay, well, I get sad when I can't watch real sports. It's, it's not it, like your mental health is something constructed in your own mind. Like you can you can control your mental health unless you have chemical imbalances, in which case your pharmacy is another essential business <laughs> that I left out. But like if you're a person who just gets in a bad mood because they can't watch LeBron James take jump shots, like you're I'm sorry, it's not about your mental health. It's it's the exact thing. I get so upset when people are like, weed needs to be legalized because it's medicine. No, if your argument is that weed needs to be legalized, I'm willing to listen to you because it's a less harmful drug than a bunch of other things that are legal in a United everything. States. Everything, everything. It's so less harmful than alcohol. Everything. You but can't they, die from it. You can't die from it. There's but don't everything they, they give me. you. Don't try and argue to me. Don't move the goalpost to be like, we need to legalize this because it's medicine. Don't try and move the goalpost. Hang on, I'll see. That's not why people want to legalize it. Don't pretend it is. Oh, see, there are tons of people that have been dealing with pain, whether it's cancer or it's just back pain or whatever. There are tons of people who have said, who are, who are not like Dave. I mean, look, Dave no. is not using it for medicine. Dave I is use it for medicine. I, use it, I use it for medicine. No, I use it for medicine. I get sick Dave, Dave, maybe every Dave, three years. Dave, I will no get offense. sick like normal people, but I don't get sick normally. Dave, but no I've worked okay, okay. So I've seen people I've seen people walk in with MS and they shake. They have no control over their body. They smoke, they take two hits off of a joint, and they can have a regular conversation with this person. Okay, okay. Dave, Dave, I, I, no offense. Dave, no offense. Your reputation follows you, and I know that you are not using it for medicine. But back I to use the it for scene. I use it for me- medicine, all around use medicine. Okay, Dave. I don't take don't, any other medicines. I Dave, don't take any other medicine. Dave, no more talking. You're a pothead that plays video games till 5 a.m. You're not using it for medicine. But I'm using to, it for medicine. <laughs> My to, mental stability. I, is there a, is there a way to mute his microphone? Back to OC. There are people that do not smoke weed cavalier like Dave does. That like a guy that was in the military and never smoked weed in his entire life and he had back pain and then he smoked weed and it got better. It is medicine for some people. Don't move the goalpost on my own argument against me. I'm not saying it's not medicine. It obviously has pain relieving qualities. It obviously has anti seizure qualities. Okay. So it what is, are you saying? That's not why people want it legalized. Well, <laughs> not people. It, like but here's the but thing. Yeah, the people here's that the need thing. it for medicine. Look, but here's the thing with cannabis. It's not. A necessarily thing where it helps just this one thing or just that one thing. It helps a full spectrum of things. And it's more past that than people wanting it to be legal for themselves and saying, oh, I want it to be legal because of medicine. It's the other side of it. It's all of the pharmaceutical companies. It's the paper companies. It's every single company out there, the oil companies. The diesel engine was made to run off of hemp oil. Okay, hemp is illegal because you could grow a field of hemp that you could grow some trees that would grow 90 years and you could cut down the hemp and do that three times a year and get all of the paper that you would need in that single acre 
that you would have to grow for 90 yeah. years of those redwoods, okay? Hey, There's a full spectrum of why it's not legal. No one's arguing any of these points against you. I'm a proponent of the legalization of marijuana in all of its forms. I'm not anti this. I don't use it. I never will, probably. But guess what? I would rather smoke to deal with pain management than take something from a pharmacy. So I'm not, I'm not against weed or the legalization thereof. I'm sorry I opened this Pandora's box. My point is, <laughs> we hit Great Face Dave's wheelhouse, OC, no, and he took, he took the baton and started sprinting. My point is, it's inappropriate for everyone to act like sports are an essential business or that there's really a contribution to your mental health because you can go to a game or not. Like, that's not what sports are, okay? I'm not saying that we need to go to the game. I'm saying that, like, the how they did, the, be played. How, how they did the golf, how they did the golf where everyone was out there, they had the cameras all around. Yes. I'm saying do that with basketball. Put yes. the cameras, put the but cameras. Hey, great, but it's not essential. There's no way that it can be defined as an essential business. It's not essential. I think it would get people, it would get people, it get the economy going because people would get this regular feeling of life again. Goose is good for the gander, OC. For some people, it is essential. For me, it's essential. Now, I'm not claiming that I'm like, Look, going through. it's more essential for me than it is for you because if we don't have sports, I'm unemployed. Yeah. All right, I need I have no income without sports, so I could make an argument that sports is essential for there my. There you go. You but, should be, but because I live in a world where I'm in touch with reality, I have to acknowledge the fact that the okay. NBA. Okay, is OC, not OC, don't take it so literally. It's a little bit tongue in cheek, but yes, sports really is very important, and I'm you know me and Dave are just kind of saying that like it's higher than yes, obviously. It's not life or death if there's no sports, but it's as close to his life or death for me than anything else is. Again, I would put it hospitals, <laughs> grocery stores, and glad sports. You, okay, That's I'm, my glad top you like, I'm glad you say it like this. With that in mind, okay, okay, the Phoenix Suns call you and say, we are reopening the NBA. We want you at every single game. You're going to be sitting front row. Coronavirus be damned. Are you going? <laughs> Hell yes. Okay. But I'm also I also think I have the best immune system in the world and I'm 36 years old. Damn, 36 years old is not as young as I thought I was. Anyways, I, I'm also in that in that demo that you said where only 4% of the people are dying. So, I wouldn't bring my mom courtside. I wouldn't bring, you know, like anybody that I cared about and loved that was over 60. I wouldn't bring them there or what was the cutoff? 25 to 36 okay, but, or something. Okay. But here's the thing. You're saying, you're saying you wouldn't bring them there, but you would go, and then you would come back home and see them. Yeah, it's, it's still putting them at risk, man. No, but, no, I'm not seeing any of those people either. He's just staying in Arizona going to every home game. Yeah. It's fine. And trying to get the floppy seconds from all the groupies that go down there, the ones that couldn't get the athletes, I'd be hooking up with them. I have no problem with you that being your decision. Like, if the 49ers called me and said, look, man, free season tickets, we just need bodies in the stadium, I might think about it, you know, because I I feel like some of the information that has come out about this virus in more recent weeks is that it's not super dangerous to somebody like me. I probably wouldn't risk it because I have a family now, but, like, I'm fine with people making their own decisions on this, and I'm not going to ridicule D Gabe for wanting to stay home and be like, look, man, this needs to be taken seriously. I'm not, if you want to do your special senior citizen grocery hours, like I'm fine with that. I have no problem with any of that stuff, but 
when this stuff reopens, and it's not if, it's when, we are collectively, as an American society, accepting the fact that more people are going to get sick and more people are going to die. And I just need everyone out there to be mentally prepared for that. That's the decision. The NBA coming back, the NFL coming back, college football coming back is a decision to trade off normalcy for human life. And you can justify it however you want. Well, it's old people anyway or whatever. But look, that is the trade-off. That's the part that's difficult for me. I totally agree that it is a trade-off and it's a spectrum of risk. I just I have a hard time with the everybody making their personal choice because in the example that Bill gave earlier about, you know, injury versus an illness. This is one of those cases where it really is just affecting the risk level of the general population, what everybody does. And in the same way, like if we I don't want to get on that topic again, but like when we're legalizing weed, you personally can choose not to partake. And whether it's legal or not doesn't affect your health at all or your intake. But this is when a scenario where, again, like for me, I'm trying to be as careful as possible, but I have housemates who are not being that careful and like their decision influencing my risk factor. So that's a microcosm, but that in a macro view, that's what's happening in our towns and our cities and in our environments. So I agree that it's very hard to keep a total lid on things. And also the culture that we have in America is not the culture that are in other countries where people will be more diligent. People are kind of just going to gunsling and do whatever, unfortunately, but it's tricky because there is this kind of tragedy of the commons effect that people making their own choices also makes it messier and riskier and more dangerous for other people that might have different factors when you're mentioning having a family or being of age or having different dangers. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is that there really is no answer. And, and to quote the article that I was talking about, about Charles Barkley, I'm just going to read this here. It's not a lot, but the details are complicated, especially considering the COVID-19 pandemic is maintaining its grip on the United States and could see a resurgence with shelter-in-place guidelines being lifted nationwide. As of Monday, the U.S. had tallied more than 1.6 million confirmed COVID-19 cases with more than 15,000 new cases on Monday. The domestic death toll is more than 97,000. So we're looking at six digits probably by the end of the week at least. But Barkley's saying... Baseball's definitely coming back. Basketball's definitely coming back. Hockey's definitely coming back. And then when it pertains to what you're talking about, OC, with college sports and football in general, they're going to have to look at how that goes. Everybody's using everybody else as, you know, a tester dummy. People are looking at what NASCAR is doing. People are looking at what Korean baseball is doing. People are looking at what golf is doing. Everybody's looking at everybody else as a tester case to see how they can then learn from that and maybe apply it to their sport. Yeah, and that's probably the right thing to do, but it only goes so far. The NFL practices and games take place outside for the most part, right? College football outside for the most part. We have data that shows us that transmission happens differently outside than it does inside. So the environment for an NHL or NBA game is markedly different from the virus perspective than an NFL or college football game. Uh, the same is true of workouts and practices. I don't know how an NBA team can effectively hold a practice on like a streetball court, but they should probably explore that if being outside in the fresh air is a better idea, right? For football, I mean, University of Utah is going to be back working out on June 1st, voluntary workouts. Guys are going to be out on the field, running around, pushing sleds, doing their thing. They should probably stick to that rather than going into the weight room and the meeting rooms for now until we know more and until we can figure out exactly how much risk there is for these guys. But I, I just, you know, like, look, I know sports is coming back. I'm excited about sports coming back. 
it just people need to be like willing to accept the reality, like what this trade off is going to be. There's going to be a bump back up in numbers. There's going to be more transmission. There's probably going to be more deaths because of it. So when that happens, are you now calling again? You're the same person who was stumping for the NBA to come back. Are you now calling again for them to shut it down? You were crying about the fact you couldn't watch NFL games. Now when Pat Mahomes dies, are you going to say the NFL never should open and shut it down? I'm with you. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Like if if you want it back, you're going to have to accept the fact that there's going to be more cases, there's going to be more deaths. I'm totally with you on that, and I don't really know how to navigate that exactly because I don't know. I mean, do I want sports back badly enough that I want more cases to get spread and more people to die? Are we just waiting on there to be a cure? Like I don't know exactly how to – who's to say how that's all supposed to go? And the big elephant in the room – we all know everything my dad always used to say. Any problem that there ever is ever in life, it all comes back to money. Always follow the money. He always said that, and he's right. Anytime there's any dispute, like people splitting up a bill when a, you know you go out in a big group and everybody's crying because they're trying to figure out who owes what or whatever, follow the money always. And the big elephant in the room is if I started this whole podcast off in the beginning by saying, should we just chalk up 2020 and reevaluate all this stuff next year and just pretend like this year didn't count? But if you do that, OC, it's like you said, everything's going to get just blown up. All of these other college sports that are funded by football, if football doesn't get played, then all of those things just go under. I mean, hell, Cal baseball almost got shut down like five years ago. I remember that. And then some boosters came in and gave enough money to keep it afloat. So the big elephant in the room is the money. So I don't know how do you I mean is money more important than death? I don't I, I don't know, OC. I mean, I do want sports back. I don't know how badly and I don't know how to answer that because when you say LeBron James could die or Patrick Mahomes could die, do I really want sports that badly that something like that could happen? Because again, as Gabe said, it doesn't matter who it is. Like when Tom Hanks got it, I remember that totally waking me up. Like, holy shit, Tom Hanks got it. You know, even Patrick Ewing get it. Just because the names are bigger, it resonates with us more. But I don't know how to answer that. And here's the thing, OC. Who's the doctor that always comes on, doctor whatever, the guy that's always constantly giving advice? Fauci. Yeah. He doesn't even know. Nobody knows is the actual answer. The answer is there is no answer. Yeah, just and, and I don't have an answer either. Just be mentally prepared that, man, I really want to have a football back more than anything, but now Nick Saban is dead. Yeah, that's the other thing. The coaches, there's so many coaches that are in that dangerous range. They're all I mean, in the dangerous range, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, there's Kingsbury and uh, <laughs> like the Sean, Rams coach. Yeah, the Rams coach, the stud for the Rams. Sean McVay. Yeah. yeah. Look, here's the thing, though. Like, every offensive line coach in the world is an out-of-shape, unhealthy, tobacco-chewing, disgusting 50 <laughs> to 65-year-old. If you're saying, I want football back, all right, well, every offensive line coach in the world is going to die now. Like, <laughs> again, these trade-offs. There's no argument here. It's just that we all have no, to be no, no, yeah, yeah. ready to like acknowledge what this means when sports come back. And not just sports. We're talking about sports. But every other business, it's the same thing. We uh, only saw Hugh Freeze last year coaching from the hospital bed up in the press box. Oh, <laughs> yes. That was amazing. We might see that again with football coaches. I mean, guys are going to prove they're a hard ass. They're going to say, I got the Rona, but you got to roll stadium. <laughs> I'll have my own private elevator up to my press box and just give me some monitors and I'll get on the headset and dial that was it. So good. The guy literally coached the game from a hospital bed. 
you're going to see Nick Saban hooked up to an iron lung, still calling with, still holding up pictures to call plays. Audible, audible. <laughs> Guy's going to die calling out a play. Awful. There's some, there are some like I don't know if it's sponsorship, but at least like creative naming things like. You know in the NBA how a lot of stuff is named after somebody? So, like, NBA Finals MVP is named after Bill Russell, things like that. If the NBA does go ahead with this Disney World idea, they should rename that bubble after former Sacramento Kings front office guy Jeff Petrie. It'll just be the Petrie bubble, the Petrie ditch bubble in Disney World. <laughs> Worst. All right, viewership recommendations. I got to get rolling. I'm going to start because this is urgent. Do you guys know what the Titan games are? No. No. Oh, my gosh. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, I know him. He's kind of revitalized a a very similar. It's like an American Gladiator style from our childhood. It's like the contest show, physical contests. I remember American Gladiator. Yeah, very similar to American Gladiators. It's called the Titan Games. It's overproduced. There's some weird, like, moments where he tries to make jokes, and it's awful, and it's like. But the actual contests themselves are amazing, and you guys need to watch it. It's like, if you liked American Gladiators at all, you have to watch the Titan games. American Gladiators. Boy, does that bring me back to the 80s. Wow. Oh, man. Remember, they had they had all the neon clothing and the... So, <laughs> there was a man. I hope he listens to our podcast. We need to get him on the podcast. There was a dude named Wesley Two Scoops Barry, who was Woo! the best. He was the best competitor ever. On American Gladiators, he was not a gladiator. He was like the dude who came on, the regular dude. Wesley Two Scoops Barry was the truth. The man should have been a pro athlete and something. Love him. I'm guessing that we can actually get him. I'm going to look him up, and I'm going to tweet at him. I'm going to get whatever my 5,000 followers. I'm going to get people to just add him and berate him to get him on the show. I guarantee you we can get him. I don't remember him at all. I just kind of remember the show in general. Uh, my viewing recommendation is it's an hour and a half. It's just good to if if you want to just transport yourself from four o'clock to five thirty, then you can just put this on. It's called The Wrong Missy. It's on Netflix. It's an Adam Sandler joint, so it's got all the Adam Sandler characters because he puts the same people in all of his movies. But the girl in it is just hysterical. Her name is Lauren Lupkus, and I had never heard of her before. David Spade is the main guy. Which, by the way, shouldn't there be like a cutoff? in terms of ugliness and age or whatever, to when you're no longer a desirable main male character. You're no longer a leading man because he passed that threshold 15 years ago. No, no, first of all, him in his prime, him at 21, he couldn't do that. Him, him now at like 60, it's like it's like nobody is believed. Like I feel bad for the girls that have to do the kissing scenes with him. And it, it, I feel like he knows it too. Like he knows he's not some sort of main character. Anyways, it's called The Wrong Missy, and the girl is just, she steals the whole movie. She's hysterical. She's insane. It's kind of a love story, but not really. It's mainly just a bunch of hijinks. And it's a great 90 minutes of your life. It's a good one. It's a good one. I saw it last week. My, it's okay. like my wife's favorite movie, probably. She, really? Yeah. She loved, loved, loved that movie. Really? Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, David Spade looks gross. Like he's done, gotten a lot of work done. <laughs> GFD, do you have any viewing recommendation other than your Twitch account when you play video games? My Twitch account, Davy June underscore. Yeah. For the um, love of God, you've already. I'm taking both out when I edit it. 
<laughs> yeah, I got an up-tempo thing that I've been watching that really just cheers my day, and it's called Ridiculousness with the old skater, Rob, and it's just, dude, it's just the funniest show. Like, it's, a, it's 20 minutes of your life without commercials that just brighten up any day. Is that back, or are you talking about the one from, like, five years ago? They just no, made I, a thousand this, episodes of that garbage. That oh. guy... He has so many episodes, I feel like they have like 2,000 episodes or more. I used to love his show with... Big Black? Yeah, Rest Big, Big Black. God bless you. Yeah. He, died? he died? Yeah, Big Black, he's, he's been gone for a few years, Zach. Sorry. Yeah, what? rest in peace, From brother. what? I think diabetes or something. Who knows? Not the runner. That's horrible. That, yeah. show was, that show was so good, and you know what happened? So good. It would have kept going. But he got his girlfriend pregnant, and his girlfriend made him quit the show. That show was the best. I didn't like Ridiculous that much, but Big Black and Rob, what was the name of the show? Yeah, Robin Big. It's yeah, Robin. Robin Big. Yeah, that show was the best. And yeah, he had to quit because he got his girlfriend pregnant, and she didn't want him on TV anymore. I didn't know he died. That's horrible. Rest he in peace. later implant for his heart, uh, May 2017. He was placed on a heart monitor. His heart stopped. Oh. Thanks, 2017. Yeah, that's why you can have a fat boy in your soul, OC, but don't let it actually get to your exterior. Because Rob used to, man, he, I mean, Big Black used to throw down ridiculous amounts of food. Legendary guy. Remember the Man Pond episode? Oh, yeah. So good. Those guys lived the life. They literally got paid to just, <laughs> Rob would just wake up and he'd go, this is what I feel like doing today. And they'd just do it. They'd set like a Guinness Book of World Records record. They'd go do whatever. He's like, yeah, I just want to make this. I want to go do that. They would just do whatever and MTV would go, here's tons of cash to do it. Yeah, it was amazing. I love that show. Gabo, you got anything? <clears throat> sure. I guess OC was mentioning earlier about Corona approach in Norway, so it's got me on a Scandinavian tip. So my recommendation is Border Town. Here's Border the pitch. Town. It's a crime drama, so if you're into that kind of thing, investigative, you know, murder mystery type of deal. The series, you can get it on Netflix, all the rest of it, but it's a detective who's one of these guys who, like, has a photographic memory and a psychological understanding to track down the murders that he uh, investigates basically their equivalent of the FBI, so like the National Investigative Bureau, and he retires to like a small town with his wife after she has some health issues right on the Finland-Russia border, which is why it's called Border Town. So he tries to go for a quiet life, and then like stuff pops off in the little quaint town that he's at, and he has to solve the mystery. Is there any yeah. Russian mafia connection here? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say it's organized crime. It's more uh, kind of the independent killers. But uh, it's kind of that dark, like, Nordic noir, like very, uh, you know, like when we think of things like Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, they have that cinematic feel of the landscape that they're in being in New Mexico is very similar. Like the environment is almost like a character. So really good cinematography. And also if you're the binge type of person who wants to know what's happened, it's three seasons long and it's already wrapped. You can do it end to end. You won't be left with any cliffhangers. I actually might watch that. Sounds right up my alley. All right. It's, hang on real quick. It's over. Like they're done after three seasons. They're done after three seasons. So it's the entire series is three seasons and they're all out. Got it. All right. OCNZ and friends. Later boys. All right. Later. Bye.